No Ketchup Chicago. What's really good, my people? Welcome into No Catch Up Sports Talk via Chicago. I am your host, Sean Little, Big Nick the Quick with the day off. Coming off the little three-day weekend, I hope everyone had a great MLK, Martin Luther King Day. Rest in peace to legends, not even the word, one of the most important people in U.S. history, Martin Luther King Jr. Hopefully everybody enjoyed their day. We got a lot to talk about. We're obviously going to lead it Tuesday the weekend recap with the NFC AFC championship. I got a lot of things I want to talk about from both games. Obviously, I, I if you know me, I had the big future on the Niners. Didn't didn't sweat even an ounce. They blew up the Packers. Chiefs Titans, the more interesting game going into the week. They took care of business as well. Mahomes and them got it done. I want to talk. A, we're gonna break down the Super Bowl probably fifteen. Everyone in the world is going to break down the Super Bowl in the next two weeks, right? I want to look at the Chiefs and the opportunity that they have with Mahomes, Andy Reid, the situation. We're going to go through the details there. I got some stuff I want to talk about with the salary cap. And before Mahomes is is, is offered this crazy deal that he will be offered very shortly. Cornball of the day of the week. Got that coming. Stay locked for that. And, of course, we got some Chicago-only talk. Maybe brief, but you know we're going to touch on it. Let's jump right into it. God, I love Martin Luther King Day. Whole slate of NBA games. It's the best. It's so much fun. Hoops from hoops from 1 to 8. Got damn going for 60. Harden can't catch a bucket. His last four, he's shooting like under 40% or something like that from three. Sign me up for the AFC and NFC championship on Sunday and then all NBA hoops on Monday. Lock me in. Celtics, Lakers, sign me up. Even though it's a blowout, the, the whole slate was awesome. But let's jump right into it and talk about the NFC AFC championship Sunday. I want to talk about Chiefs Titans first. Shout out the Chiefs. Shout out my guy Greg. He works for the Chiefs. He's holding it down. He's having a good time. I want to start by saying this. Miami, coming from Kansas City, what a great place to go for the Super Bowl. It's not it's not some bullshit experiment where the NFL sends you to New York. Nightmare. Shout out my guy Maxie. He went to that. New York right now in February? No thanks. Arizona's cool. But Miami? It's not Dallas, Fort Worth, Arlington, where you're an hour away from everything. Jerry's World's in the middle of nowhere. No, nah, man. You get to go to South Beach. You get to go to Miami. You get to enjoy the weather. You get to kick it. If I'm a Chiefs fan... I'm taking a whole week off of work next week. I'm in if I'm going to the game, I'm in Miami Monday morning. <laughs> I'm kicking it Monday, Monday night. 
I'm kicking it Tuesday, Tuesday night. I'm kicking it Wednesday, Wednesday night. I'm kicking it Thursday. I'm catching all the parties. I'm soaking it all in, and I get to do it in Miami. Sweetheart, you have to stay home. Me and the guys loading up. We going to Miami for the week to catch the game. If the Bears win the Super Bowl and it was in Miami like it was last time, but I was in high school. I had no money in my pocket. What what, what was I going to do, right? That's where you want to be. Miami, New Orleans would be really good. L.A., cool. But Miami, that's where you go to have fun in the winter, man. It's nice down there. So salute the Chiefs and the Niners fans. But they they already spoiled with with good weather. Chiefs fans been in the cold, man. Chiefs kingdom been at Arrowhead freezing. Enjoy Miami. But let's talk a little bit about the matchup, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I've been hearing this narrative that, it's not a narrative. It's more people just trying to stir some shit up. But I saw more than once the question, is Pat Mahomes overrated? Is he getting too much love? Man, hell no. That's never going to come out of my mouth. Pat Mahomes is overrated. But I will say this. Andy Reid is underrated. Eric Bieniemy is underrated. They're not getting enough love. The scheme that Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs offense is running? Come on, man. Cut it out. Stop, man. With that talent? This is the question. If you put Russell Wilson in that scheme, offense, and talent, can he put up the exact same numbers as Pat Mahomes? I'm going to say yes. Right? Can he do what Pat Mahomes is doing? I, I mean, I haven't seen anything... Pat Mahomes do anything that Russell Wilson can't do. Russell's not doing no-look passes, but he could still put up the same numbers, have the same success in that scheme, in my opinion. Deshaun Watson, maybe not as good as, as, as Russell Wilson and Pat Mahomes, still very good. But the scheme is just not getting enough credit, in my opinion. People are talking about Pat Mahomes is the best. He's going to be the best quarterback of all time. I mean, the recency bias is crazy, but Andy Reid has that shit oiled up, has the right pieces in place. He should be getting more credit. Eric Bieniemy should be getting more credit. They're getting a lot of credit, but they should be getting more credit. But the meat of what I want to get into is how massive of a spot this is for the Kansas City Chiefs to be in this Super Bowl. Last year, they had an opportunity. They went to overtime in New England, lost, couldn't pull it off. A whole bunch of things happened, offsides, whatever. They didn't make it. They didn't go to the Super Bowl, right? This year, they finally get it done. And this is a massive spot for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's almost a must win. Let me explain. I saw a stat, no team since 2000 has won a Super Bowl with one player earning 15% of the salary cap. As we know, the highest paid player on your football team is almost always the quarterback. This is a massive spot for the Chiefs because 
Patrick Mahomes is still on his rookie deal and he has not got this massive extension that we're talking about that's coming probably next year. You better make sure you have the right guy if you're going to give him these huge mega deals that take up big chunks big chunks of the cap, especially if it starts to push that 15% of the cap rate. And even then, even if you have the right guy and he's taking up 15, 16, 17% of the cap, and we're going to get into some examples, you're, you still might not win the Super Bowl. Just because you can't fill the roster with enough talent and enough depth that you'll need to get it done. To win the Super Bowl, your quarterback has to be on a fair market deal. You can't just compete at the position. It's got to be a fair market deal or rookie deal or and he has to be really, really good. Once he's really good and a veteran and he's getting paid $35 million per, you're in trouble if we're talking about winning the Super Bowl. Jimmy Polo, Jimmy Garoppolo. This year, $20 million cap hit, 8.65% of the cap in 2019. He's in the Super Bowl. Has a chance to win it. We know Mahomes is still on his rookie deal. He's at like $4 million in change. We'll get to that. We'll get to him and the new deal in a second. Tom Brady last year, $22 million cap hit, 12.21% of the cap. He was in the Super Bowl last year. Won the Super Bowl last year. Golf was still on his rookie deal. They were in the Super Bowl last year. Those are two good examples of you just can't have the quarterback taking up 15, 16, 17% of the cap and expect to have enough to get to the Super Bowl and then win it. Let's talk about some teams that are in trouble. The Lions, Matt Stafford, $30.7 million cap hit. In 2019, that's 15.8% of the total team cap, almost 16%. Let me remind you, no team since 2000 has won a Super Bowl with one player getting 15% of the salary cap. Matt Stafford, $30.7 million, is over that 15% threshold. Another example, the Vikings, Kirk Cousins, $29 million cap hit, 15.12% of the total team cap. And by the way, I'm getting these numbers from Spotrack.com. It's a great site. They break it all down. Go check it out. It's the source. The Los Angeles Rams next year, they're in trouble, man. If you're a Rams fan and you're, com- and you're expecting these dudes to compete year in, year out for the Super Bowl and a chance to go to the Super Bowl like they did last year in 2018, it's going to be rough. Next year, golf has a $36 million cap hit, 17.4% of the cap goes to Jared Goff, and he's, and, and he's very suspect. One of the best D tackles in the world, the, the best D tackle in the world, Aaron Donald, is right behind him at $25 million. That's 12% of the cap. You have two players on a roster that are almost taking up 30% of the cap. That's insane. They're never going to win like that. 
two players almost taking up 30% of the cap, and they have no draft picks because they, they, they moved them to get Jalen Ramsey, and Jalen Ramsey hasn't even signed a contract yet. They could be in a spot in 2020, 2021, where four or five players take up 45% of the cap, 50% of the cap. You're never going to win in the NFL like that. Take a guess at who the highest paid Chiefs player is this year. In 2019, the highest paid Kansas City Chief is Sammy Watkins. And it's by a lot. He's $19.2 million against the cap. The next person is Travis Kelsey at 10.7. Think about that. Sammy Watkins is the highest paid player against the cap in 2019 for the Kansas City Chiefs. Think about all the studs they have on that team. And Sammy Watkins is the highest paid. That's why they've been able to be competitive on top of having one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the best quarterbacks or one of the best coaches in the league, one of the best schemes in the league is because they're deep, they have talent, and all their money's not locked up with one, two, three, or four players. It's spread out. The Chiefs' two best players, Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, are hitting the cap for a cool $6.6 million in 2019. That's how you win in the NFL. And that is why... This is such a massive game for the Kansas City Chiefs, for Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes, and those boys to try to win it now. You missed an opportunity last year against the Patriots. Now you're in the Super Bowl. We know the, the track record for teams that go to the Super Bowl and come back the next year. You almost No one ever goes back-to-back to the Super Bowl. No one does it. It's very hard to do. That's why I think this game is a bigger deal for the Kansas City Chiefs. The Niners have Garoppolo locked up already. They have a few more years of wiggle room with the young defensive core that they have. Jimmy Polo is not a free agent until 2023. And his, and his deal is going to end up being a cheap compared to some of these quarterbacks that are going get, to be getting paid. In, in, in the coming year with the new CBA coming up and the new TV deal coming up in 2021. D4's locked up. Quan Alexander's locked up. Nick Bosa's locked up on a cheap deal because he's a rookie. That's why this is such a... They, they have a little more wiggle room than the Chiefs do. That's why it's such a massive spot for the Chiefs and Andy Reid. Mahomes is looking at a five-year, $220 million deal. He's probably going to sign in the offseason. $44 million per, $165 million guaranteed. That's with two years left on his rookie deal. So the cap hit can be manageable net 2020-2021 at around 15. But it starts getting crazy in 2022 if he signs for $220 million. It's crazy to think that Mahomes' best shot right now to win the Super Bowl is right now 2020, 2021. 
because he's so young. I get it. But once he starts to pull all that money out of the cap, 16 17%, like some of these guys I named, Matt Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, then it starts getting sticky because you're not as deep. You don't have as much talent. You can't go get as many people. It starts to get iffy. That's why this is such a big and interesting spot for the Chiefs. You got to get you got to get there and take care of business. These windows in the NFL do not last long. The Niners were 4 and 12 last year. They're in the Super Bowl. It could turn quick on you. So we're going to break down the Super Bowl 10 15 different ways. But this is a massive spot and opportunity for the Chiefs and I'm looking forward to see if they take care of business. I'm looking forward to see how Mahomes shows up. It's going to be it's going to be a great game. It's a good it's a good matchup. Speaking of matchups, let's move over to the Niners and the Packers. This was never, ever, ever a good matchup for the for the Packers. We saw it with our own two eyes the first time they played, and we saw it on Sunday. Me and Big Nick always talk about watch the tape. Just go watch the tape. Go watch the film. It'll tell you what you need to know. It'll tell you what you're looking for. The Niners demolished the Packers in that first game. It wasn't like they just beat them. They they smoked them out, buried them, folded them up, sent them back to Green Bay in a body bag. Tape doesn't lie. It's exactly what happened in the game on Sunday. They got embarrassed on Sunday. Garoppolo threw the ball eight times. Just ran it down their throat, embarrassed them. There's not even much to talk about the game. Not much to talk about. They flat out got folded up. Now, I will say this. This was rubbing me the wrong way. I'm not, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Chicago guy through and through. Y'all know that. I'm not feeling the big, big Packers hate from Bears fans. Was I rooting against the Packers as much as I was rooting for the Niners? Sure, of course. But the all the memes and, and, and tweeting at Packers players in the Packers account, ha, 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 this, that, and the third, because we're Bears fans and, 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 we, and we're happy to see them lose, they are where we want to be as an organization. We've been trying to be the Packers for decades. They've been in the spot we're trying to be for decades. Don't get it twisted. So root against the Packers, sure, cool. I do it too. I don't want to see them succeed. But I'm not going to be rooting for them to 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 lose and then try to bury them after the fact like ha ha ha. They were just in the NFC Championship. That's where we want to be. All that extra shit is corny. It's whack. I saw a meme from a Packers account, which I thought was very valid. It said, maybe one day you'll be able to root for your team winning instead of my team losing. He's dead on. He's dead on. I'm trying to root for the Bears to win more than I want to see the Packers lose 
And we're always in the spot to hope the Packers lose. It's whack. So all that extra shit, they're winners over there. They have been for decades. I get it. They went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. So what? That's what it is. They were 6-0 and against the NFC North this year, the Packers. 6-0. and They had one down year. They're right back to it. They had a down year last year. The Bears took care of business. They're right back to it. They were right back to it this year and right back in the NFC Championship. So don't go crazy burying the Packers. That shit's corny. Back to a positive note, this Raheem Mostert story is awesome. He is getting a ton of credit for what he did, 220 yards rushing, four touchdowns, just ran it down Green Bay's throat like they weren't even there. It looked like a a seven-on-seven, but for running. (laughs) It was a seven-on-seven. They weren't passing. They were just handing the ball off. He was just doing whatever he wanted to. It's a great story, though. But I think this is another spot where Kyle Shanahan's scheme is the reason why he's able to do this. That running, the that run design and scheme that they're doing out there in San Francisco is ridiculous. It's truly out of pocket. It's truly something like I've never seen before. He's not even getting touched. Mostert wasn't even getting touched until he was five, six, seven yards down the field. This matchup between the Chiefs and Niners is going to be rocking. It seems like the pass rush is what always prevails in in, in spots like this. Big-time quarterback, yeah, he's going to come in there and throw it all over the yard. The D-line and Super Bowl and in big playoff spots, it always seems like they win. Seahawks versus, or uh, the Broncos versus Cam Newton. Von Miller and those boys just ate Cam Newton up. Newton was the MVP. They ate him up. Seattle versus Manning years back. The the pass rush and the D ate him up. We'll see if San Francisco can do this against the Chiefs, but in these spots, the DN, the defense, the D line, getting to the quarterback, making him uncomfortable, it, it, it prevails more than not in these spots. And that's what the San Francisco 49ers do to people. And they run the football all day. So you're telling me they're going to run the football, keep you on the field, and then when they're on D, they're going to be rested, and they're going to be able to come off the edge and do their thing? Interesting. Mostert found a perfect spot in San Francisco. The scheme, everything about it fits his, his game. Dumb fast, quick, not afraid to hit the hole, knows where he has to go. The zone read is perfect for his game. Like I said, we're going to break down the Super Bowl a bunch over the next couple weeks, but this should be an interesting, interesting matchup. Shout out the Niners for getting me that bread. Shout out D-Will. Bang, bang, Niner gang. I want to talk a little bit of UFC 246. Conor McGregor, the boy is back. Shoulder, he's shoulder button. That's what I'm going to call him. I'm going to call it a shoulder butt, not a head butt, a shoulder butt. To Cowboy Cerrone's nose, laid him out. It was already over right when he started banging his nose with the shoulder butt. But I want to talk UFC 246. I want to talk specifically Conor McGregor. I got to get my guy Serge Vicente 
of the fight podcast. He's deep in the UFC game. He's deep in the fight game. He has a podcast. Y'all need to go check it out. If you are a fan of combat sports, it's called The Fight Podcast. You could find it everywhere. I had to get Serge Vicente on the line to talk about Cowboy, Connor, what's next for Connor, what happened. Could this run be better than the last? Serge Vicente of The Fight Podcast. Listen up. Serge Vicente, my guy, the Fight Podcast host and creator. How's the How's the weekend of fights, my G? If you had to If you had to put a a one sentence on it, what is it? <laughs> so check it out, man. I'm gonna be honest with you. I've dubbed this last UFC hashtag USC 246 disappointment. It was kind of weak, huh? Because it, it, oh my god. Um, aside from the return of the Mac. The rest of the car was pure duty, and um, and I don't care who 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 says anything otherwise, man. That card underperformed. Um, I think a lot of people who are already in the know when we saw this card, it had the potential of not being as exciting as I think a lot of us would have wanted. But you know what? A lot of cards like that, when you see it, it it, it always pops the other way, and you're like, all right, cool. It was a great card. People, you know, performed. But the issue with it, again, aside from McGregor, nobody else who was on that card performed. Coleman event, trash. Other legends who were on the card didn't perform. All in all, man, the UFC 246 was a disappointment in terms of performances by everyone involved. Yeah, I think the the big thing that is always going to be a problem in fights and fight weekends and all that type of stuff is the fans want to be wildly entertained. And then there's the, the actual fighters that are going into the fights that are just trying to win the fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, like, yeah, it would be great if I went in here and started throwing haymakers and knocked dudes out all the time, but I'm just trying to get just this straight throw caution to the wind. Absolutely. Yeah. That it, would be great, but it just doesn't work like that. Absolutely. And, and, and here's the thing. I think a lot of people understand that, um, but it's not even about, you know, the people just going in there to win. The only person that went in there that I saw was just like, okay, I'm going in here with this game plan. No matter what, I'm just trying to get a W. And that was Holly Holm. Absolutely. She's vastly underperformed. But look, think about this. Holly Holm goes out there. She definitely had more control. She had six minutes, minutes of control against Raquel Pennington. But she threw double 30 more strikes and landed 10 less strikes. Raquel Pennington lands 40 strikes. Holly Holm only lands 30. Holly Holmes had zero takedowns. Uh, Raquel Pennington had one. So when you look at those type of things, it's like the only thing she was trying to do was not get torched. Now, I'll say this. Yo, she looks super jacked. Her back, when I was looking at her back, yo, pushing buddy against the cage, she man, was, I wanted to go ahead and do some push-ups. She was, oh, yo, yo I, real shit, I caught the same thing. I'm like, yo, Shorty is in shape for real. That was the first thing I thought. I'm like, yo, she is big, son. (laughs) Fam, I'm in shape, and I was like, man, I think I need to go to the gym. Yeah, she was. Mama out here, yo. She was, yeah, she was, she was, she was in shape, no doubt. But let's get to Conor McGregor because that's what that's what everybody wants to hear about. That's what we want to talk about. about. Now, listen, everybody, go listen to the last fight podcast. Go listen to all the fight podcasts. Make sure you subscribe to the fight podcast. But I, I, but, I, but yeah, of course. But Let I'm gonna, but I'm gonna give you. I'm, I'm gonna give y'all everybody that's listening. I'm gonna give y'all a, a little rap on search. 
he got a chip on his shoulder against Conor McGregor. That is not true. That is not <laughs> true, and that is unfair. Don't don't paint me in that picture, man. I am the same way with every single fighter. It doesn't matter to me who is who. Here's the thing. The thing about me is this. I'm not a fanboy. I call a spade a spade. And if you go out there and you, and you suck, I'm going to tell you you sucked. If you go out there acting ass, I'm going to tell you acting ass. That's just who I am. So you got, so Conor McGregor, the facts are, he hasn't won a fight since Barack Obama was president. Okay, so you still worried about the rust now then? After seeing 246? Well, here's the thing. There's still far more questions than we have answers. Talk to me about that. What do you think? So, yeah, I mean, obviously the fight was only 40 seconds. He came out exactly. and destroyed so we Cowboy. Still, we, still don't know, we still don't know his gas tank. We generally still don't know if his power translates to 170 pounds because let's, again. What you mean? Keep it above. What you, hold on, no, hold on, hold on. What you no, mean? No, Does the power finish, translate? Let me, let me finish. You remember, we're talking about a Cowboy Cerrone that has been KO'd his last two fights. We're talking about a 37-year-old Cowboy Cerrone. And I'm not saying anything. I'm not taking anything away from Connor. And I'm about to give Connor all of his due in a moment. But we have to keep a spade a spade. Cowboy Cerrone is somebody whom, in the big moments, has never showed up. We can go down his track list. There is a reason why the most winning fighter in UFC history, the fighter who has the most KOs in UFC history, the fighter that has the most post bonuses in UFC history, has never won a title. There's a reason for that. Every time he's had an opportunity to fight at the top level, he's been KO'd in the very first round. He is who I thought he was. He continues to prove that every day. So we have to take that into account. 100%. But hold on. But now, the gas tank is 100% still a question. I think he's shown a ton of power at 170, even back to Diaz. He was fucking Diaz up. He He didn't knock Diaz out. I I I put it like this. But he was I putting a lot of shots. A lot of power. He was putting a lot I of shots on Diaz. And if you ask Cowboy if he has power at 170, Cowboy gonna tell you he got plenty. Of course. So I don't and know if we can question saying, the power. I'm not saying Conor McGregor. I'm not saying Conor McGregor does not have power. I did not say that. You, no, you said you, said you have to question the power no, no, at 170. Against a legitimate 170 pound fighter, Cowboy Cerrone is 500 at 170. His best days are at a buck 55. Nate Diaz is a 155-pound fighter as well. These are blown-up lightweights fighting at welterweight. That is something that a lot of people don't talk about, and that's what drives me crazy. Oh, my God, Connor's fighting in three different weight classes. No, no, he's not. He's just not cutting weight, and these fights that have been at, at welterweight have been against lightweight. Look at Nate Diaz's career. His entire career is at lightweight. Look at Donald Cerrone. Where has he been at his best? That is also at lightweight. So don't sit here and get it twisted. Can he crack? Absolutely. But have I seen him actually punch a legitimate welterweight? I have not. So we don't know. And that's the thing. People have this fallacy. They're like, oh, my God, he can go up there and knock out Kamara Usman. Fam, Kamara Usman does evil things to that dude. Yeah, Usman a beast. <laughs> hey, you know what I'm saying? But I, but I like, will say this. But I will say this. Usman took a lot of shots in that Covington fight too. He, if he's, These guys are bigger. You're talking about guys that walk around at 205 pounds and cut to 170. Conor McGregor walks around at 170 pounds. 
there is a difference. Yeah, no, there absolutely is. These are the, the Usman and them boys are those are big, big boys. That's a bigger and here's the thing. You're talking about Kobe Covington, who was here's the I am not a fan of Kobe Covington's politics. I'm not a fan of his shtick. I think it's racist. I think it's total trash. Boy can but fight, one though. thing I do get but that mucker fight his ass <laughs> off. He can no fight his ass. I don't care what anybody says. Kobe Covington is a bad dude, man. And yeah. he was cracking Usman. And you know what Usman did? Fam, he ate them joints like cookies. He did he eat kept them up. It moving. Yeah, he did. That's that we is even that's the difference. About my boy Street Jesus. <laughs> okay, look. So let me just give you before. I mean, you can run into it. You can take it where you want. We already know what happened with Cowboy. He wasn't ready. He's not. He's not. He's not built for the big stage. He's an older guy, Connor. Whatever, right? So what's next? Is it Madvidal? Is what? Wh- wh- what do you think? <sighs> All right. Because so because he's got the keys now, right? He can kind of take this shit wherever he wants. Um. Mm, yes and no. You don't think right? so? Yes and no. Talk yes, to me. Yes and no. He has an opportunity, and here's the thing. The thing that I love about it, and, and I'm going to give Connor all the pride. Yo, he had so much pressure on him, and this dude went out there and starched a top 10 lightweight. Oh, my God. He folded it. He, fo- he folded him up crazy. No, he starched him. He went out there, and he absolutely, again, he rose to the occasion. And and then, then again, it's a little bit of, you know, that was great matchmaking. You know, UFC isn't about, you know, essentially giving gimme fights. This was the closest to a gimme fight. Right. But w- w- without that being said, he went out there. He Physically, he looked great. His movement looked great. And I'm going to be honest with you. I have never been more of a Conor McGregor fan. This, this is the Conor that I love. This is the Conor that I remember. Humble Conor. This is this is who this is who all the, the the mainstream people MMA. This is who we fell in love with. So for me, I love what he went out there and did. And you're right, he does have so many options that matter because he can literally say, you know what, I can go ahead and fight. You know, in my opinion, which would be the biggest business right now. The biggest business we can say is against Jorge Masvidal. Jorge Masvidal right now is coming off of a huge year. He's 2019. MMA fighter of the year on every publication. He's somebody who's out there. He's knocked out three people in a row. I'm talking about, you talking about knocking them out. He has beat the brakes off of people over this last year. Not playing any games. But then he also, Conor McGregor's looking at it. He wants to fight the winner of, or step in if something happens to Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson. Now, for me, he hasn't earned that. You got dominated in your last time out against the champion, and there are other people in line that I think he should fight. So, who should he actually fight? Business-wise and everything, he should get the, the winner of Khabib and, um, and Tony Ferguson. Let's stop with this. I'm jumping weight classes and stuff. We have to get back to some kind of decorum. You know what I'm saying? We have to get back to, to, to normalcy. The divisions have to move on. And when he jumps around division to division, it throws the divisions off. And it doesn't make any sense in the grand scheme of things. But there's so many people out there at 155 that are, should he, fight, he should fight. Because let's be honest, he should not have fought Donald Cerrone in this one. He should have fought the guy who Donald Cerrone's last fight. He knocked him out in three minutes. Who was that? Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje is the most violent man in the sport. Justin Gaethje is a former champion at one of the biggest organizations in the world, the WSOF, which is now the PFL. Justin Gaethje is a beast. 
Conor McGregor don't even want to say that dude's name. He, he is like Candyman. I ain't saying jack about but <laughs> You right. know what I'm saying? He, yeah. he, he's moving and saying it. But I think a, a more entertaining option, an option that we can all get behind, and something that you can really sell, and if he gets past this dude, oh, I think then it's truly off to the races, Dustin Poirier. I mean, he I think... Dustin Poirier at 145 pounds. Dustin Poirier is not good at 45. He just challenged Khabib at 155. Put up a good showing of himself. Had Khabib in trouble at one point in time, and that will be an amazing fight. So I mean, those are fights that could all happen. But... UFC is going to do everything in their power to go ahead and uh, give it to the winner of Khabib and Tony Ferguson. See, I don't see, I don't think they're going to do that because I think they're going to try to drag this out as long as possible, right? Like, I think the end boss, like if like if we're doing Mortal Kombat style, Khabib is at the top of the ladder, right? So I feel like right. they're going to try to get like two fights in between that. They're, the you, the big talk is that he's going to fight in March, right? So they're going to that's what he wants to do. Yeah, yeah, like they're not going to give him. I don't want to say a cupcake, but they're going to give him something that they think, or, or or at least McGregor's camp is going to try to set up something they believe he can win. Well, in that case, he needs to stay away from Masvidal. Okay, well then, so then th- this is this is what I see. Then I, you would know better than me, but he's going to fight someone in March. Then he'll fight Masvidal, and if he busts Masvidal, then it's Khabib. There, then there's no other person well, to fight, right? That, that's he. he <laughs> I, I put it like this, man. The the idea of him, it, it's it, it's really comical that people would think, yo, Conor McGregor, honestly, I don't think really wants to fight Jorge Masvidal. We all know Conor. Conor calls everybody out, talks to everybody's name. Yeah. He another one. Jorge was sitting out there with no shirt on and a robe in the first row. My man had an opportunity to cut the biggest promo ever. You ain't the BMF. I'm the real BMF. Well, he talked to him a little bit. He said, yo, y'all can make up man, fake belts. He didn't say him. He didn't. No, 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 man. We know Connor. He ain't called that man out by name. Say my name. Well, you know what I'm I saying? Mean, and, I, and that's the thing that – what was that? I mean, and I know you're a Connor fan. I know you no. are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, no, you're listen. Boy, but I'm keeping it a buck with you. And no, so double, I, I know you're trying to, to, to double back, but here's the thing. Regardless, and again, I'm telling you, that is not a fight that is styli- – I'm talking about stylistically. Yeah. Stylistically, it is a terrible fight because, again, look at who Jorge has fought. Jorge knocked out earlier this year a bigger version of Conor McGregor. Have you heard of Darren Till? No, I don't even know who Darren Till is. You, See, that's you, the problem. That's why I got you on so, the line, though. Okay, so Darren <laughs> Till, Darren Till fought for a title at 170 pounds. He lost to Tyron Woodley, but he has since moved up in weight. He fights at 185. And he actually um, just beat Kelvin Gastelum, who had the fight of the year against Israel Adesanya in 2019, right? Now, he has a very similar style, but he's a lot bigger. He's 6'2". He hits a lot harder. He knocks people completely out. And he was the one that the UFC was trying to make, you know, like Europe's big guy, right? right? Yeah. So he lost to dude. They tried to give him to Jorge Masvidal. Jorge Masvidal knocked dude out cold. Bent him up. Cold, bro. <laughs> I hear you. Listen, I think it, he's going to end up getting a fight. He's then going to fight Masvidal. It'll be a massive fight. And then if he gets I don't, through. I, I, I generally don't believe he's going to fight Masvidal. Because even Dana White this week after the press conference, he said 
he said the same thing. He said uh, Jorge's going to fight um, Kamar Usman next. He said that yesterday. Okay, well then maybe he'll take the winner of that. After, no, he won't after he fights in March. Same weight class. Yeah, one seventy. He's true. not fighting there. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and again, that's another thing. There, well, listen, you're talking about he can't jump the line in front of a bunch of monsters that outweigh him by thirty pounds. Yeah, no, listen, and and, and I get that, but like. I'm a firm believer that when he fought Khabib, he didn't want to fight Khabib then. But he, the money was too great. It was too big of a fight. He had to take it. I think it's going to get How? How could you say that? What, how could you, you say that when you're talking about the man who threw a dolly through a window calling this dude out, chasing him all around the world, saying all kinds of terrible things about Muslims and dude's daddy. No, and right. how he's going to tear torture him. So how are we going to say that he didn't really want that fight? What I'm saying doesn't even make sense. What, no, no. What I'm saying is that he, you, you could, you could run around and throw shit at people and talk about people's fathers and family and then not want to fight them. He, but, I, 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 hey, hey, bro, hey, bro, hey, hey. Let, let's be realistic and let's take the fandom back. I'm telling you, Conor McGregor wanted every bit of that fight. Now, did he take that fight as seriously as he could have? Now, there we can have an argument. But in terms of him not wanting to really fight him, the money was too good. No, that doesn't make sense at all. That no, that is a fight that he wanted because Khabib at that point in time was being known as the best lightweight of all time. Connor didn't appreciate that because he believes that should be his spot. And that is why, again, that is the fight that they've always wanted. They got it. He got scuffed. And then, well, okay. I, maybe maybe I'll take some of that back, but I think deep. I, I guess my opinion on it, deep deep down, is his camp. I feel like they knew that that was big big trouble, and it it, it might have started getting out of control where their inside camps were fucking, and he felt like Connor felt like he had to defend the people that Khabib was fucking with in his camp, and it got to the point where like, yo, we're gonna what have you, to. You, uh, and, and again, and, and I'm not trying to be rude or anything. No, like that, no, no, no. What 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 what, you, what you're saying doesn't have any base behind it. What you're saying is. Is, is nothing that has been proven to be true. It's not. That's something that he's always wanted. He wanted that fight. He's been calling Khabib out since he was fighting at 145 pounds. His team, yes, his team knew that that was going to be a, 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 an issue of a fight. Yeah, that's. I guess that's but, more of what I'm getting at. Yeah, so, but here's the thing. Then, then you're saying that Conor McGregor, and that's the thing. This is where I am going to go ahead and ride with Conor. Conor's not a pussy. Connor's not afraid. Connor wants all the smoke. So the fact that he was, he wanted Khabib. And again, the fact that he flew from Ireland and what? flew across the pond Let that to New throw York a shit. dolly through a window <laughs> to fight somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, you want to fight that man. And again, if we're talking about um, him defending the honor of one of his boys, yo, that's not your chick. You for real? That's a grown man who's a professional fighter in his own right. Yeah, it's his camp though. His gum. It's but it's, it's, it's still it's still his people though. He's just defending his people. That's how that shit rocks. You know how, you know that. Doc, I am not. I don't give a damn if you run, you my boy. If you're running your mouth to somebody unprompted and that dude checks you, I'm gonna look at you and say, "Why'd you say what you said? Why'd you mess with dude? I'm gonna ride with you. I'm gonna have you back. Right. Well, that, that well, there you but go. But at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, if somebody, not even they fight you, if you talking trash about a countryman and that dude says, "Yo, why did you do that?" and checks you, I'm not mad at he checking. I'm sure as shit not flying over the eight hours to come do it. 
Yeah, that was, that was that was some real shit. <laughs> no, okay. Hey, you you put me in my place there. Fair enough. I just feel like deep down, I think his camp was like, man, this is gonna be a re- this is a real fight. Like they, I feel like the other fights that he was going into, they were like, yo, we're gonna take care of business here. Like, yo, we might lose this one. That I guess that's where I was kind of coming from. I'm gonna end it on this. Okay. Could this be a? Could this Connor run be bigger than the last one? It depends. Do you know what, I'm, do you know what I'm saying? The, I think he has all the ability to, yes. I, I think that if, because here's the thing, more than the, the story in terms of us, you know, rising to prominence, everyone loves the, the rise. But you know what we love more than a rise here in America? We love a redemption story. We love a redemption story. And if he goes out there, and let's say he does, fight Jorge and starches Jorge. Is the redemption story a little overplayed though? Like what was that? Is the redemption story a little overplayed? Like what exactly no, was he like I, I, he was off the rails like that? Is that the public perception? Because I to me it doesn't really seem like what is he redeeming himself from? What exactly well because he was punch, he punched uh, the old guy at the bar and like that type of thing? So not winning a fight in three and a half years. You're last to getting finished in two fights in a row. Having Yeah fair Two open sexual assault allegations that are currently out and still pending. If you actually ask people who are in currently in uh, in Ireland, because you know he's lost the Irish fan base. The Irish fan base doesn't like him because they don't feel like he represents them the same way. And in Ireland, they're like, no, 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 he did that. So he has you. all this. He's had issues with ju- like literally looking like he's straight r- come off the rails. Think the entire Khabib situation. Where he was saying, Let, let's keep it a thousand percent super racist shit. Right? Yeah, Going no, it was some such shit. It, it get, so we look at it, we look at the totality of all the fuck shit that he was doing. I'm talking about this is a guy who is at the top of the world. Very similar, not, not the same, but similar to like a Mike Tyson, right? I have everything in the palm of my hand and I'm about to lose it all. And all of a sudden you see the cleanup. He's coming out there. He's like, yo, you know, I'm a good guy. I'm this, I'm that. He was very complimentary. He was hugging down Cerrone's grandmama, all that stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. You know what I'm saying? He was, he yeah. was there. So he's, he's, it's, this is all cleanup. This is all PR. And I'm not mad at it. So here's the thing. We love a redemption story. He comes out here right now and has a legitimate redemption story, man. I am telling you right now. That not only does this star grow, it it is going to be brighter than it has ever been. Yeah, so and then just, the check it out. Yes, yeah. I am here for it. The biggest. So give I, me to, to close it here. Give me the 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 biggest run to Khabib too. You want him to fight who in March? Well, hey, well, here's the thing. We cannot, and I have to say this. Everyone is just skipping over Tony Ferguson. Yeah, he's going to lose. Can't do that. Don't you what think? Was that? Do, do, don't you think he's going to lose? Can he beat Khabib? <laughs> I mean, Tony Ferguson. Don't even answer that. Not, but, wait, wait, uh, man. Tony Ferguson has not lost a fight in eight years. When the last time Khabib lost? This fight. This fight. Huh? Khabib has never huh? lost. That's what I mean. Never. <laughs> no, but, but, but no, dude, they're both on. In the UFC, they are both 12 and 0. They have essentially both cleaned out the division. One's cleaned out one side of the division, the other one's cleaned out the other side of the division. This is going to be the greatest lightweight title fight in history tony ferguson is a scary dude tony Fer- and here's another thing tony ferguson i'm gonna be honest with you 
I am actually favoring Tony Ferguson winning this fight against Khabib. He is a problem. He is an all-American wrestler. He is great off of his back. He has incredible striking. Tony Ferguson legitimately might be the greatest lightweight we have ever seen in the UFC. And I'm going to be honest with you. He fights any of those dudes. It is a problem. So we cannot overlook uh, Tony Ferguson. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know why I love talking to you about this? Because you be getting fired up. Dude. You can feel the passion every time a fight comes up. I could just, you could just, can't, like, I could just see your face right now. You, I can see you getting beat it up. Like, yo, y'all disrespecting Tony like this. Like, people talking about Khabib, uh, McGregor, too. This guy hasn't even fought Tony. Connor ain't fought. Like, man, come on, yo. Y'all getting ahead of yourself. Fam, I put it like this, man. It's the way I like. I, I know you a big football guy, right? You love football. That's like me going out there and just trashing somebody. And I don't watch the. I don't watch football, but it'll be like me just straight, just, just like so, like just a, a team. Let's say I'm. I'll be like, yo, dude, San Francisco got no shot. Right. Home so and the greatest in sliced bread. Right. You know, this is this is a foregone conclusion. You'd be like, dude, you crazy. They got the best defense <laughs> in the league. Right. Garoppolo ain't the thing. Dude, it's the exact same thing. The difference is, especially with combat sports, and especially MMA, not, it, it's such a niche thing still. Yeah, a lot of people watch the big fights, but people don't look at the stories that are happening and building before it. So it, it, we, we, we're, we're waiting to see what's actually going on. And then when the stars arise, well, we are on the back end. We're here. Well, look, I'm here for you to tell you on the front end. I, I, I'm watching the journey of all these guys, and I know who's legitimate and who's not. Yeah, Come fair. on, fam. I'm the underground king for a reason. Fair. Serge Vicente of the Fight Podcast. I appreciate you, my guy. Dude, thank you so much for having me on, brother. I always appreciate it, bro. Keep doing your thing. Yo, your show is amazing, bro. I love you. Hey, man. All love. I appreciate you. Talk soon. Like I was saying, Serge knows his, knows his UFC and combat sports. And he's not afraid to put me in my place. That's why I have him on. I love to talk the fight game with him because he knows what he's talking about. Let's switch over to the Chicago only talk. Let's talk Bulls first because I, I enjoyed the MLK run yesterday. Full slate, top to bottom. Bulls are at Milwaukee. I was joking around with the homies in the group text that we should literally be betting Milwaukee every night they blow everybody out by it's a it, they play a 20 point game every single night no matter who it is they win by 20 points at home 20 points on the road 20 points doesn't matter they're at home against the Bulls last night the line was 15 and a half and they just missed a cover on a on an and one three by Shaq Harrison at the buzzer yesterday That's a real basketball team up in Milwaukee, boy. Them boys. The scheme. I keep talking about scheme, but they, they, they're they playing to their strengths. They're deep. And Giannis is obviously a dog. We had my guy Darnell Mayberry of the Athletic on last week. And I read his segment, his piece every Monday. Mondays with Mayberry. Talks about the Bulls. And, of course, he dropped a piece yesterday coming off of uh, the double-digit loss to the Bucks, Like you and everybody else on the internet, I love reading the comments, and I wanted to read some of my favorite ones from the Mayberry article because they make a lot of sense. These, the, 
The Chicago sports fan is knowledgeable, and I want to break down some of these comments that were left. Andrew G., what a miserable team to watch, and I quote, I have empathy that you have to write about them, talking about Darnell. They hate this system, both offense and defense, but are professionals and won't publicly criticize. And they're young. That's why they won't publicly publicly criticize, but yes. That's my biggest surprise of the season. They've accepted 25 wins and a summer starting in late February. A wasted season. Sickening they allowed Valentine on the roster, even though no plan to play him whatsoever. Boiling, the boiling quotes are comical with, he cares. It's a high school level compliment. We are now kudoing players for caring. I'm embarrassed I spent 35 games watching this, and it will only get worse when Zach goes down. Team is not even close to being decent. Well, that's a lot there, but let's break it down. They hate the system, both offense and defense, but are professionals and won't publicly criticize. They won't criticize because they're young guys in the league. We talked about this last week. Zach Levine, essentially, and Otto Porter said, yo, they're trying to get us to not take mid-range jumpers. That's going to be a part of our game. The young guys, Chris Dunn, Kobe, they're like, yeah, I mean, they don't want us to take those, so we're going to look for other ones. If anyone's going to come out and criticize, it needs to be the the vets like Levine. The young guys are never going to say anything. They've accepted 25 wins and a summer starting in late February. A wasted season. Absolutely, no doubt, bingo. We accepted 25-win teams and and not a playoff push when we hired and extended Jim Boylan. We extended him. They've accepted mediocrity over there at the United Center. We We need to continue to not show up, not fill the United Center up. That's the only way we get Boylan and the front office out of there. It's, it's dead on. Sickening, they allowed Valentine on the roster with no with no plan to play him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely right. Let him walk. Go get another piece. Fill the roster with someone that's going to play. Valentine scratches and claws to get on the floor. And it's not like the, the roster's loaded. It's dead on. I'm embarrassed I spent 35 games watching this and it will only get worse when Zach goes down. Obviously, we don't wish Zach to go down. But he's out there playing his heart out, trying to make the all-star team, carrying everything on the offensive end every single night. It's a possibility he can get hurt. And if he gets hurt, I don't know how we score 80 points. That's a that's a real statement. I don't know how we get to 80, 85 points without Zach Levine on the floor. Unless we can get Luke Cornett some more looks. <laughs> but that's a that's a whole other story because he's been he's been doing his thing while he's getting minutes with Wendell out. But yeah, I mean it's true. He's getting a ton of ton of time on the floor and he has a lot, a lot of pressure to to score almost every time down. What he did against Cleveland the other night, ridiculous. Saturday night against Cleveland exploded they need him to do and and they won the game by like two points they won the game by a bucket and he went crazy at home against the cleveland cavaliers who had played six in a row on the road that's what he knows he needs to do night in night out he's getting a lot of wear and tear 
Sam F. dropped a comment. Was at the game. Saw firsthand and up close the defensive lapses. Awkward looks at the basket and Daddy Warbucks. <laughs> He's talking about boiling. So out of his league on substitutions and rotation switches, it was painful to watch. An example, he had Ryan Archidiakono switch on the Middleton twice and Giannis once. From 25 rows up, I can see their grins after the layups. And Boylan yelled at Ryan for allowing easy buckets. One last thing. When they announced his name, our whole section booed him. The Bucks fans laughed and felt sorry for us. Milwaukee has a great team, and there's no excuse for what transpired. Listen, that's the biggest thing that hurts my heart the most. Is Milwaukee Bucks fans looking at Chicago Bulls fans and feeling sorry for us? Where have we gone? That 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 that's the case. I understand they drafted Giannis and he's become one of the best players in the league, if not the best. He's a top three talent in the league. But it should just never be the case where they're laughing at the Bulls fans. Are we entitled? Am I, do I feel entitled a little bit as a Bulls fan? Yeah, we should be better. We should be one of the best teams in the league all the time, consistently, at least competing. Never bottom of the barrel in the whole league where we need Zach Levine to score 40 in a row to beat the, the, the Cavs at home. It should just never be that way. Our defense continues day in and day out to be the Cavaliers Saturday night and yesterday, obviously, but it was the defensive positioning, the switches, everything was so glaring against the game at home against the Cavs. It's just Kevin Love was getting wide open after wide open after wide open look with no adjustments, no nothing made inside. At one point, I tweeted this, Deladova was in the corner. People sprinted at Deladova, Lori Markin and Lori Mush Markin and ran over to the corner to double him and left Kevin by himself. Kevin is like seven of nine from three. They just don't know what they're doing. They don't know the system. They, 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 they just don't have any confidence in the scheme. I keep coming back to the scheme. It's just easy. It's easy pickings. It's, it's a, they're just a terrible, terrible team to watch. When you get a chance, read some of these articles. Go look at the comments. The Bulls fans are fed up. They're smart. They know hoops. We know hoops. This is embarrassing. And I call him Lori Mush Marketing just because I'm so disappointed because he 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 has the talent. He can hoop. And he's just not he's just not asserting himself. He's not doing it. I would like to see him in another system, sure. But man, if you if you're not getting the opportunity, go take go take some opportunity. I want to see him go take something. Go take a game over. Fuck taking a game over. Go take a quarter over. Go make an impact. Don't just run up and down the floor lollygagging doing whatever. Do something impactful. Take over a possession. Be assertive. Part of that's boiling. It's so wild how Fans like us can sit there and watch the games every night. And, I mean, th- there's no way that Paxson and these guys in the building watching this, they have to know he's not the guy. Get, move him. But they extend him. Uh, that makes no sense. Let 
Let's close it out with the cornball of the day of the week. It's me. The cornball of the week is me, Sean Little, host of No Catch-Up Sports Talk via Chicago. I hedged my bet on the 49ers. I'm sick. After the first drive, I knew I messed up. I didn't hedge crazy amounts. I still had a good score. I had a big futures ticket on the Niners to win the NFC. They were just different all year. After I watched the full game of the Niners-Rams and their attitude, their swagger, how they played ball, how Kyle Shanahan called games, the defense, everything looked different. So I'm like, man, these boys are going to win the NFC. I don't. They got to worry about the, the the Saints. But Seattle, I guess. But Seattle had been winning games so wild. It didn't even matter. Same with Green Bay, right? I was just worried about the Saints. Saints go down. Vikings pull a, a rabbit out of the hat. Knock out the Saints and all I don't have to now I'm, I'm free cruising to the to the Super Bowl with the Niners had it the whole way hedged it anyway it's always it's always tough to 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 decide if you're gonna guarantee the profit or go for it all I should have let it ride cornball of the week me Sean Little go with your gut it's never wrong think of a time you went against your gut or think of a time you went with your gut and it was wrong. It doesn't happen very often. Gambling maybe a little is a little different, but even in life, your gut will tell you everything you need to know. Cornball of the week, me, Sean Little, rock with your gut. That's it for this week's episode of No Catch Up Sports Talk via Chicago. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. We are on there. For Big Nick the Quick, I am your host, Sean Little. No catch on Sports Talk via Chicago. Bang, bang, Niner gang.